Hey, good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Good morning, good morning. Hey, we're getting closer and closer to Christmas. How many of you excited about that? Let me hear you. Yeah. Uh, my name is Troy. My wife, Darla, and I get the absolute privilege to pastor this church. And if you're visiting with us, I just want to give you a couple of announcements before we get going this morning. First of all, if you're looking for a way to connect, we would absolutely love for you to get connected with us so that we can not only answer any questions you might have, but uh, move you forward in the process of getting to find friends and family and your purpose involved here in this church. And you can do that a couple of different ways. Uh, when you came in, if you're here in person, you were given a connection card. You can fill that out. Uh, if you want to do it digitally, the information will come up on the screen. You can text VICTORY18 to the number 31996. So in that number area, you put 31996, you text VICTORY18, and it's going to send you a digital connection card. And you can fill that out as well. And if you're here in person, what we ask you to do is after service, go take either that card that you have in your hand or proof on your phone to our Welcome Center. Uh, show them so that they know that you did that for us. And they've got a special gift for you just to say thank you so much for visiting with us today. And then through that, I'll get a chance to reach out to you, connect with you, see if you've got any questions that I can answer as well as help point you in the right direction to getting connected, to serving out of your purpose in so many different areas. And once again, just thank you. Thank all of you for uh, committing to victory and for being here this Sunday. I think it's going to be a great day uh, as we preach through some, some special things for today. But I'm just excited to be here with you, especially in this holiday season. Also, if you're looking for a way to give, you can do that three different ways. You can do it through our online portal, a website, app. You can do that texting to give as well. That information will be on the screen. Or you can do it as you're leaving. There'll be an auditorium host with a bucket. You can give through cash, check, however it might be. Um, as always... I like to share what we're doing financially as those who are faithful to the church continue to give. And we're right now in this Christmas season. We just bought Christmas for two families, or I'm sorry, two kids here at Rock Springs Middle School. Our first impressions Christmas party, their, their Christmas party had a their team had a Christmas party yesterday, and they wrapped those presents and delivered them today, and so those kids will have Christmas. And then as I've been sharing, we've partnered with the YMCA, and we've picked up families through that. And so on the 19th, next Sunday, Sunday afternoon, I believe it's three to five or something, the information's out in the lobby, uh, we'll be wrapping those presents along with some of the YMCA staff, and then they'll be delivering those. And it's going to families that are in the domestic abuse center here in Smyrna, Tennessee. Last time I talked to Hodge, you ready for this? We have commitments and, and, and money in for 20 families. Come on. How incredible is that? That's so awesome. I was talking to him this week, and he said, Troy, I can't believe when I came to you, my, my thought was that we would be able to do it for six families. And he said, and we're at 20, and we're not even done yet. And so I just think that's incredible, not only uh, celebrating those at the Y that are being faithful, but certainly here at Victory, those of you that have been faithful to that, giving towards that. And because you give, we were able, here's what's so cool about that. We were able to commit to 10 families without having an extra dime given because of your faithfulness already. And I can't tell you what a privilege it is to be your pastor, to be able to stand in front of him and say, we'll do 10, and him be like, are you sure? And go, not even a thing. Because our church is so faithful, and we're able to do so much. And last week, if you were here, you saw some of the things on uh, the, 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 whatever that is, <laughs> the TV, um, of things, some of the things we did. One of the things I didn't even get to cover, because I forgot, was that we sent $3,000 to the Dream City in Colorado City to be able to continue ministry to those that were coming out of that cult, who were coming out of human trafficking. We sent $3,000 to them to be able to continue to do ministry because of your faithfulness. Yes! This is what it's about. Aren't you happy to be a part of a church that thinks outside of their four walls? Yes. And that's because of you. And so I'm so thankful, thankful for that. 
Uh, just a couple of things uh, that we have coming up. Next Sunday, we'll do water baptism right after service in the hallway. We'll have it all set up. It won't be outside. Don't worry. Uh, but if you'd like to get baptized in water, do that. Sign up next Sunday or sign up anytime and be there next Sunday for that. It'll be a great privilege. And then on Christmas Eve, don't forget, we'll have a Friday night service on Christmas Eve. No Sunday morning service on the 26th. And that night, we'll take communion as a church. We'll have a candlelight service as a church. We're going to have special music and special presentation. Uh, it's just going to be a phenomenal time. Be here. Bring your family. Uh, it'll be from 5 to about 6. So the goal is to get you in and get you out so that you can go enjoy Christmas Eve with your family. But let's start it off right by not only being together with our church family, but praising God in the process. Um, last week, we finished a series called The Greatest Adventure. Did y'all enjoy that series? Did you enjoy that series? Let me hear you. Come on, give God praise for that. It was a financial series, in case uh, you're visiting or you weren't here for that. And a lot of people put pressure on pastors, and they said, man, it's going to be so hard. I'm just telling you, it was real easy to preach that series here. Uh, you were so excited and passionate about it, and it was fun, and people are already responding to it. I want to remind you what our response is as a church, and then I want to share a testimony with you. Uh, we were encouraging our church to do one of two things. First was for all of those who currently tithe. We talked about the special offering called Purpose Prevails that we do at the end of every year where you look back at God's faithfulness and all that he's done in your life financially. You pray. You got to pray because I'm not telling you to do anything. I say this confidently. If God doesn't tell you to do it, don't do it. But if God tells you to do it, you better do it because you're going to miss out on something if you don't. And so I tell you to pray and ask God, what could I give? And he gives you an amount. I've got some incredible testimonies I'm going to share with you over the next couple of weeks of people who've done that. Um, and then God gives you that amount and you write that amount and then you watch God bless it. There's a little area up here for you to write a prayer that we can agree with you. Um, and then there's the God's guarantee. God's guarantee is for those who haven't tithed or who have never tithed, who have wanted to tithe. And it's the challenge to step up and start tithing and trust God with your finances. And one of the things that we're doing this year as a church is we are, because the Bible says to test God, we're doing what's called the God's guarantee. And here's what that is, is that if you'll start tithing in the month of December, then 90 days from now, if God has not sustained your finances, if God has not come and blessed your finances, I don't mean that you went from a Honda to a Tesla, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I just mean God was faithful in your finances. If that does not happen over the next 90 days, we will give you 100% of the money that you tithe back because we believe God is faithful. And I preach that series with conviction because I'm living in financial freedom because I trust God with my finances and I want it for you. Amen. And those of you that do it, you know it. I see you shaking your heads. You know it. You live in it. And you want it for your church family. On this card, again, there's no amount. We don't, I'm not concerned with the amount. It's just some information as well as your information so that I can come and encourage you. Because my plan starting this week is to reach out to those people, to connect, to encourage. And I can't do it if I don't know you're doing it. You don't necessarily have to do that if you're saying, hey, I'm trusting God. I don't need your encouragement. That's fine. <laughs> But if you would like it and need it, I just need that information so that I can contact you and, and those kind of things. So as you leave today, if you have not done this, there'll be some of these cards right outside the front door. Grab it, fill it out. Um, there's some information here about the God's guarantee and things that you have to do so that we can keep up with those records and so on. Um, and then turn that into us. You can just drop it in the offering bucket and I'll be able to, to add it to the families that are doing it and commit and connect. Amen. I want to read to you real quick a testimony. It's how good God is, is we've already got testimonies coming in about this. And I want to read it to you because, A, it's a 
couple that is in this church. It's a couple that you, uh, you, know, you rub shoulders with and you sit and enjoy service with on a weekly basis. And they are telling you right now of God's faithfulness. This is not a pastor preaching. I didn't, I didn't make this up. I didn't even go to them and say, do you have a testimony? They sent this to me in the middle of the week and I was just so blessed by it. I said, I gotta share it. So I asked them for permission and I'm gonna share it with you real quick. Here's what it says. It says, we moved to Tennessee in May of 2019. We lived off of credit cards. They moved here. They were young. They were living off credit cards. They even renovated their new home with the credit cards. Um, in 2020, they cautiously wrote a check to Purpose Prevails, praying that God, for God to move in their finances. They said our goal for 2021 was to pay off all of the credit card debt by December of 2021 this month, and that debt was just under $22,000. They went on to say we budgeted, which is important, Okay. We tithe. I love how they put 10%, just to let you know that they did what the Bible says. And they even upped it after we got a raise. I was talking to the couple over the weekend, and I thought this was so cool because even, you know, it would have been one thing to do that, and then when they get the raise, go, oh, God's blessed, let's live in this blessing. But even then, they upped the tithe to match the 10% because they knew that God was in charge of their finances. They said, we had mapped it out, believing that we would pay it off by December of 2021, they went on to say, God works in mysterious ways. After plenty of research, we decided to refinance our house to save money in the long run. Not really knowing it, we refinanced it in November, meaning we didn't have to pay our December mortgage. And watch this. We were able to take that money and put it towards the credit cards, which allowed us to meet our goal a month early. How incredible is that? They wrote, God is faithful, okay? I'm going to talk about financial freedom. One of the, the wife said that in prison. She said, talk about financial freedom. I'm going to hit that again in a minute. They went on to say, and this is, this is some of my favorite parts right here. We are so excited to come into church this Sunday with the largest amount we've ever given to use that moment as a marker of God's faithfulness in 2021. And we're believing God will continue to move in 2022. And then watch this. Thank you, Victory Church, for challenging us to be better stewards of our money, to have faith that God is working. I can speak for both of us in saying that it has been so amazing to see how God is creatively placing moments in our life to be blessed and to bless others. Opportunities that we might have missed had our eyes not been opened. And that was such a blessing for me because anytime somebody says that they're going to preach through finances, it can be difficult because sometimes in our mind, we still, we still compare finances to the law versus grace. And what you're seeing is a family that says, if you had not talked like that, if you not had shown us those principles, had you not talked about those scriptures, we might not have thought that way. And because you did, and because we thought that way, we are living in that blessing. Uh, I was talking to them over the weekend. I was talking to the wife, and you could just see it all over her, just the excitement and the freedom. I mean, she's just smiling, just, just, just living in that freedom. And here's what was so cool. She started talking about how now they're kind of living in that sacrificial offering I was talking about, that top level of the ladder, where they're actually thinking about ways to do crazy stuff and ways to bless other people. And that's the way God works. Not only do you find yourself paying off debts, not only do you find yourself becoming financially stable and financially free, but then you find yourself looking for ways to bless other people and to live in the abundance of God. And I love that they said, and we're coming back today to do it again, to step out in faith again, and to trust God's faithfulness again. And I promise you, they will see it again. 
And that's what I want for every one of us. I want us to be able to live in that financial freedom. And so as you hear that, if you go, man, I really do love that and I really do want to live in that, then I encourage you, whether you're a faithful tither and you want to step out and purpose prevails, or whether you've never tithed and you say, man, I really want to step out and trust God in this, you can do that. And if you'll grab that card and fill it out at the end of the service, I'll just be able to come alongside of you and encourage you and say, hey, you know, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? And those kinds of things. And then next year, it'll be your testimony that we're reading from this TV, except we'll be reading it in a building. Can I get an amen? Okay. <laughs> God's faithful. Don't get me started. No, y'all better come back for January for that. All right. All right. Y'all ready for the word? You ready for the word? Here we go. Here we go. Luke chapter two. Turn there for me if you would. Luke chapter two. We are going into a very quick series called Christmas at Victory. Uh, it'll be this Sunday, next Sunday, and of course, Christmas Eve. And I'm just going to point out some principles in Scripture that are important for us to focus on around this Christmas season. It's really, I was talking to somebody again yesterday about how easy it is to fall out of our routines and how to get out of those routines, and then we kind of lose track of what's going on because things are different, where it's the holidays, we might be working, we might not be working, we might be at parties and all this kind of crazy stuff. And there's just certain principles I think it's important for us to focus back on, especially during this season. Watch this, especially, if not for you, for those that you are around. And so here we go. We're going to read from Luke chapter 2. It's, you'll, this story will look familiar to you. Uh, we're going to come out of it in the next couple of weeks, uh, and then I'll go from there. It says, in those days, sorry, verse 1, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So let's get everybody, let's count them, let's figure out how many folks are here. And everyone went to their own town to register, naturally. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line lineage of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him. All right, they're engaging, get married, and she was expecting a child. Spoiler alert, that's Jesus, right? That's Jesus right there. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, she placed him in a manger. Because there was no guest room available for them. I'm going to talk a little bit about that next week. You don't want to miss it. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, the angels. And they, the shepherds, were terrified. They were terrified. They weren't sure what was going on. But then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news. Say that with me. Say, Good, good. news. And this great news will cause, I'm sorry, this good news will cause great joy. Say great, great. Joy. joy for all the people. Say all, all. The, people. the people. Good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Why? What's the good news? Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. I'm not pregnant. I didn't give birth. No, but even though it was born from Mary, it was born to you, a Savior, for he is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Amen. Amen? Amen? I want to talk to you this morning from the title, Reasons to Hope. Reasons to Hope. As we get closer to Christmas, it becomes a natural season for hoping. No matter who you are, we're all hoping for something in this season. I was thinking this through. If you're a small child, depending on your age, you're hoping 
for Santa Claus to come, right? We're hoping that we're on the good list, and we're hoping that the elf is moved into a different place in the next morning from this place to that place. If you're more of a teenager, you're probably hoping for the, the hottest new thing, the PlayStation 5 or the Nintendo Switch or the, the iPad or whatever is cool for teenagers nowadays. I can't keep up. Um, if you're an adult, you're hoping maybe that you have enough money to be able to buy all the Christmas presents that you want to buy, because often our problem is not the generous heart that we want to give, it's the finances to be able to back our generous heart. Uh, for some of you, you're hoping that you have time to be able to get, how many are you, how you're done Christmas shopping? How many of you, you're done Christmas shopping? Y'all are the real holy people. Um, that or you have nothing else going on in life, and so you're just out shopping. But, but I, we haven't even started, so we're on normal pace as usual. Uh, we'll wrap it up about February 3rd, probably. We'll be good to go. Um, it is what it is. And so some people are out hoping that they get that, that gift that is hard to find. They're hoping that they get it. I don't know if this is still a thing because I don't, I don't really hear about it anymore, but when I was younger, there were always certain toys that were like hard to find. And so a lot of parents were hoping or fighting to be able to get this toy. But here's the one I remembered. I don't know how many of you are going to remember this. Do you remember the Tickle Me Elmo? Yeah. Remember that? Like, like, like everybody needed a Tickle Me Elmo. You know, nowadays in 2020, you can't have toys that you tickle. That's inappropriate. You get canceled for that. But, but you know, that, back then, that was the thing. And if you could just find the Tickle Me Elmo, like parents, I mean, that's why the movie Jingle All the Way was made, because parents were punching other parents in Walmart for Tickle Me Elmo. Like, that's, that's just where we're at. And so, you know, depending on where you are and who you are, you're hoping for different things. Some people are hoping that they get to be with their family and some people are hoping that they don't. You know what I mean? Like, like it just all depends on where you are. You're hoping for different things. It's a season for hoping. Yet, even though that this is the season where there'll be all this hope and so much hoping, there'll be many people who will struggle with addiction. There'll be people who will struggle with anxiety. There'll be people who will struggle with depression. And there'll be people who will even struggle with the thoughts of suicide. All as a result of hopelessness. In this season, they'll deal with those things because of hopelessness. It might even be somebody in this room struggling right now, did everything they could to get into this room, but they are struggling with hopelessness because of this season. I did two studies this week that I thought were very interesting. The first study was done around the impact of COVID 2020 and into 2021, and it said that there are three top reasons for people to feel hopeless, okay? Reason number one was that they feel lonely. They, they feel like they don't have anybody. They feel lonely. Uh, reason number two was that when they feel like they're out of control, when they don't have control over things. And then reason number three was grieving a loss, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but those are the top three things that we've been impacted with as a result of what happened in 2020 leaking into 2021. And so they did a research Pre-COVID, they had that research already documented. They did a new research on people dealing with anxiety and depression, these kind of things. And watch this. From their research, pre-COVID, 11% of people were dealing with anxiety and depression. Post-COVID, 42% of people said they were dealing with anxiety or depression. That's a 31% jump simply because of one year and what happened from 11% to 42%. So that means, if we go by statistics, that almost half the people in this room are dealing with anxiety and depression because of what happened over the past year or two. 
Then on top of that, this is a season where people also tend to struggle with anxiety and depression out of the stress of finances, out of the stress of needing to get things done and being prepared, out of the stress of getting work done by the end of the year before vacation time. Will I go on vacation? Will I not go on vacation? I got to go to this party. Then I got to go to that party. And they call it the holiday blues. That's what they call it, the holiday blues. So now imagine this. You take the 42% who are already struggling because of COVID, and then you add this time of the year, this holiday blues, and you put those two together. And that is the culture that you and I are operating in on a daily basis. Those of you that lead in your business, your employees are balancing those two things. Listen, your family members are balancing those two things. Your children are balancing those two things. The restaurant that can't get enough employees and you're mad at them because the service is slow and they got the air conditioner on while it's 45 degrees outside and maybe this is personal for me. (laughs) They're balancing the same things. They're balancing these things and it's why it's important, church. It's important. That in a season where the lack of hope is greater than it's ever been, we have to be reminded that our hope is not in a person, our hope is not in a reformer, our hope is not in a system, our hope is not in money or material things, our hope is in a savior. That's where our hope is. You can give God praise, it's okay. It's not in any of those things. It's in a Savior. And so it's important for me as we get ready to blink and this year will be over. As you get ready to get around family members and friends and co-workers. As you get ready to face some of the biggest stress you'll face all year on top of the stress you're already dealing with. It's important for me to remind you that our hope is in Jesus. Say that. Jesus. Just saying the name makes me feel better. You know what I mean? It's just something about the name that just gets inside. My hope is in Jesus. Nothing else but Jesus. Let's go back to Luke chapter 2 for a moment. And I love that when the angels came, they said, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not worry. Do not be anxious. Do not be depressed. Do not be depressed. Why, angel? Why should I not do? Because listen, when a big, these angels were tall, they were large, they were glowing. When something like, if you went home today and you took a nap and you woke up and you went in your living room and there was about a 10 foot person standing in your living room who was like, you know, had light shining around them, you would naturally be what? Afraid, scared. So angel, why should I be or why should I not be what I should naturally be, Right? In our culture today, it's, people will say, you should be worried. You should be anxious. You should be depressed. You should be sad. Angel, why should I be or why should I not be something that I should naturally be? Why? Well, here's why. Because there's good news. And that good news comes with great joy. And that good news that comes with great joy is for all people. What's the good news? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Keep in mind that when Jesus is born, the people have gone hundreds of years with silence from God. In the Old Testament, God would speak through prophets, you know, prophet of Jeremiah, he'd speak through, uh, oh my goodness, you know, all these different prophets, I'm forgetting their name, Daniel, all these different prophets. And then there was hundreds of years where it just stopped and there was this silence from God. 
There were prophecies that there would be a savior born, but now they've gone hundreds of years in silence. I don't know about you. I struggle when God goes silent for seconds. So for hundreds of years, I could see hopelessness being stacked up. Meanwhile, they have the burden of the law, right? They're trying to keep, do what's right and live under this self-righteous kind of concept. So they got the pressure of that. They have no words from God. And you have to believe that hopelessness is building up. And then somebody comes and says, hey, good news. The Savior's been born. And at that moment, I think they were so happy because they finally had something to put their hope in. After hundreds of years of silence, now they, they could have still been, you know, hoping, but now they have something to put their hope in. And this is what I want you to understand about hope, is when it comes to hope, it has to be put into something. It has to be placed in something. Hope doesn't stand alone. Hope has to be put. If you have hope, automatically you're putting it in something. Okay, it's not, it's not self-standing. It has to be placed on or put in something. And unfortunately, our culture gives us plenty of wrong places for us to put our hope. I mean, in our day today, what do they tell us? Hey, put your hope in other people. Put your hope in relationships. Put your hope in romance. Put your hope in, in friends. Put your hope in other people, in coworkers. Put your hope in extra relationships. Put your hope in the fact that one day you'll have a relationship. Put your hope in this. Put your hope in that. Put your hope in this. Put your hope in social media. Put your hope in likes. Put your hope in shares. Put your hope in finances. Put your hope in your bank account. Put your hope in your coworkers. Put your hope in your boss. Put your hope in a raise. Put your hope in a vacation. They're giving us all of these areas to put hope in, hope for the weekend, hope for food, hope, put your hope in all of these things. Meanwhile, listen to me, broken people can't fix brokenness. Broken systems can't fix brokenness. Brokenness, helping brokenness equals brokenness. And we're being told to put our hope in broken things. And here's what I want you to understand. Your hope will only be as certain as the thing or person that you put it in. Depending on how certain that is. Well, I put my hope in money. Well, money's very uncertain. Well, I put my hope in my relationship. Well, unfortunately, relationships are very uncertain because people are people and people are gonna people. It's copyrighted. I put my hope in my job. Well, unfortunately, if you found out in 2020, that's very uncertain. So your hope will only be as certain as the person or the thing in which you put it in, which is why, and here's one of the favorite, my favorite things I'm going to say today, which is why we cannot anchor our hope in the very things that cause us to need hope to begin with. Right? I don't know about you, but sometimes my relationships cause me to need hope. So I can't put my hope in, or I can't anchor my hope in something that eventually causes me to need hope. My finances sometimes cause me to need hope, right? When my, when my daughter sends me her Christmas list and everything on the list is $300 or more, I need hope. And I can't put my anchor in the very things that cause me to at some point need the hope in which I'm anchoring. I'll give you an example of this. I'll never forget it. Some of you've heard this story before if you've been here for long enough. But one Christmas, uh, 
I want to say it was about six years ago or so. I'm not sure Casey Ray was even born at the time. So Veda was about six or around that age. And she fell in love with this Barbie, uh, it's not a Hot Wheel, what do you, like a big wheel kind of thing. Y'all remember those things? They're like battery operated and the kid would sit in it and push the pedal and drive. It was like a car. Like, even though it, was, it didn't go very fast, but it was legitimately like a car. And she found this Barbie one. I don't know if we were walking through the store or what. But it had these big mud tires, and it was a two-seater, and it had the whole shifting situation. She could go in reverse. I mean, it was, it was pretty awesome. Like, I might have tried to ride in it or so, but it was, it was pretty awesome, and she wanted it. And, you know, we, even though we can't, we want to get our kids everything that they want. You know what I mean? That's just that's how, in case you didn't know, that's the God in us, right? Well, I won't go there. Y'all should have listened to the last four weeks. And so... So I wanted to get her for this for her, and we've done an idea, but it was like $450 or something. It was, it was such a stupid amount of money, and, and we didn't have the money. We just honestly didn't have the money. We had tried to move stuff around. It's like, well, if I don't, we don't buy each other Christmas, and you know, maybe we can make it work, and, and we just couldn't make it work. So I was on Amazon, and I found this different big wheel type vehicle, and it was significantly smaller. It was about one-fourth of the size. Uh, it was a one-seater, not a two-seater, and it was decorated by Betty Boop. Is that her name, Betty Boop? Yeah. Um, so it wasn't Barbie-themed. It was Betty Boop-themed, and so I got this great idea. I said, well, I will convince Veda that this one is better than the other one, right? That's, you know, instead of just letting God handle it, I'm going to manipulate the situation, and so I just, and we had weeks before I had to get it. So we'd be driving down the street and I'd be like, babe, you know what? Barbie's kind of like outdated. You know what I mean? Like, you know, she can't hold on to a man. You know what I mean? Like she's just, uh, I don't know. You know, she's stealing folks' Corvettes. Like I, you know, she's kind of, I was like, you know who's really cool is Betty Boop, you know? Even though she dresses like a harlot, you know, she's, uh, she's really cool. You know what I mean? And I'm, I hope y'all aren't Betty Boop fans. Y'all leaving the church. And so, um, so I was like, she's really cool though. And I was like, and you know what? You don't want that big seat car with two seats because then you can't drive it into certain places. So you really want it to be smaller. And if it was smaller, then it'd be cool. You know what you need is you need like a small car with like Betty Boop decorations. That'd be awesome. Wouldn't that be, what if we could possibly find that? That'd be like, if God somehow put that in our path, that'd be, that'd be great, right? Um, it'd be something, wow, it'd be a miracle. And so I, I, it worked. Like she was legitimately like, yeah, dad. Like, I, Betty, I'm BB all the way. Let's go. And so we were getting close to Christmas. I was getting ready to buy it. It was like $130. That should have been a sign right there. Okay? Look, um, I, mean, I got so many sermons going through my head right now. This is dangerous. Uh, so, so we're getting ready to buy it, and, and somebody comes over and blesses us financially for Christmas. They give us hundreds of dollars for Christmas. And we're like, we can get the Barbie car now. Like, this is going to be great. We're going to blow Veda's mind. We're going to be the best parents ever. And so we go and we buy this Barbie car. You know, I'm telling you, we have it to the day. It's huge. Case Ray drives it now. We get it, and there was an extra room. I can't remember if it was Veda's or Case Ray's nursery, if it was just an empty room in preparation. But we get the car, and we put it in that room, and we close the door, and we put all these little presents around the tree. We wrap them. Again, Veda's like six years old. We are, I mean, we are snickering, right? We are so, we are like the coolest parents in the world. She's going to freak out and go, Daddy, Mommy, but Daddy more. I love you, and you're the best, and oh my goodness. And so we get the phone ready. And we wake her up on Christmas morning, and she's like, did Santa come? And we're like, he came. And she goes into the living room, and she's opening up all these little presents, and we're like, like hee, 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 hee. And she gets done, and we're like, oh, no. Did you not get what you wanted? 
Oh, maybe there's more. Let's go look around the house, you know? And we got the phone and we're following her around and we're like, go into this room. And she opens the door and she turns on the light and we're like, do you see it? And she's like, that's yeah, cool. And then turns around and walks out the room. I'm like, what? And she's like, what about the Betty Boop one? And I'm like, no. I had put all of my hope on her loving this gift, and it was gone. Listen, we live in a culture that's taught us to put our hope in things that is uncertain. It continues to teach us to put things, to put our hope in things that honestly are uncertain. Watch this, to the point to where we have confused hope with optimism. I'll give you some examples. You think we're going to be able to afford Christmas this year? I hope so. You think that we're going to be healthy enough to gather with our family this Christmas? I hope so. Do you think that we're going to have enough money to pay our bills? This, I hope so. Do you think that we'll ever have a child? I hope so. Do you think this mask will protect us? I hope so. Do you think my antibodies will be enough? I hope so. Do you think that this will ever end? I hope so. So, and what we've done is we've moved into a realm where we have made hope optimism. But here's what's interesting. It's actually irony to refer or to put our hope in something that is uncertain. All right? When we put our hope in something that is uncertain, it's irony. And here's why it's irony. Because in the Bible, when you see the English word hope, it's been translated from the Greek word elpis, E-L-P-I-S, elpis. And elpis means profound certainty. So when you read in the Bible, hope, and it's elpis, the word elpis, what it's saying, the biblical definition for hope is certain, certain, um, profound certainty. So it's irony or ironic for us to say, I hope so, and be speaking of something that is uncertain. It's ironic for us to say, I hope so, and it be optimism versus it being certainty. Because in the Bible, when it says hope, it's certainty. But we live in a culture that says, put your hope in something that is uncertain. I will not. I will not put my hope in something that is as broken as I am. I will not put my hope in a system that is as broken as I am. I want to put my hope in something that is certain. So when I say I hope, it's not wishful thinking. I hope is it will happen. I'm just waiting for it to happen. That's certainty. That's hope. That's the hope we're talking about in this season. Stop saying I hope so. Believe in the things that are certain. Now, I understand that there will always be things in our life that are uncertain, and that's fine, but don't put your hope in it. Put your hope and build your hope on that that is certain. And then trust the one who is certain to work out the things that are uncertain. That was enough for the admission right there, just to hear that. You should put that on your phone, tattoo it on your body, something. That is enough right there. In the book of Romans, Paul is talking about Father Abraham. Remember him? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I'm feeling myself. You feel that? She's like my protection. She goes like, okay, 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 stop. That's... 
So here's the moment where she's like, you're too much. People are leaving. You need to stop. She's talking about Father Abraham. Father Abraham is old. His wife's womb is barren. And God is telling them, hey, go outside. Look at all the stars. As many stars as you see is how many kids you're going to have. And Abraham and Sarah are so confused by it. The Bible says that she laughs at God. And it's so crazy because it, it just doesn't make sense, right? It just doesn't make sense that they could have a baby. And in Romans chapter 4, verse 18, Paul is talking about Abraham and the miracle because he did, in fact, have that. God's prophecy did come true, as they all do. And Paul is talking about Abraham in Romans 4, chapter 18. And watch this. He says, against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed. That was so weird to me. Against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed. How do you hope against hope? I, I didn't understand that. It's like he was a double negative. It's like he was talking out of both sides of his mouth. Against all hope, Abraham, in hope. And what you're kind of seeing here is you're seeing two different versions of hope. You're seeing one version, the first version being the optimism against all hope, against all optimism, against all uncertainty, Abraham, in certainty, believed. So Abraham, against all uncertainty, in certainty, believed. In my situation, I'm surrounded by uncertainty. And so against all uncertainty, will I ever find a job against all uncertainty? Will we ever have a child against all uncertainty? Will this ever go away against all uncertainty? I am certain. So against it, I am certain. My hope presses against the world's hope, and I believe. Here's what Paul's saying. You ready? You better shout this down, that there is a difference in having high hopes and having hope in the most high. Did you catch that? There's a difference for you in having, do you, I got high hopes. That's one thing. I got hope in the most high. That's a different thing, okay? It's one thing to, found, to, to build your hope psych, on psychological aspects. There's another hope in building it on theological aspects, okay? When your hope is built on psychology, it's not going to be certain. When it's built on theology, it's certain. I'll give you an example. Will my child be okay? I hope so. Psychology. Train him up in the way that he shall go, and he will not depart from it. Theology. See what I mean? It's two different things. You can hope over here, but it's high hopes. You can hope over here, and it's hope on the most high. It's different. I don't want to put my hope in a person who, is, who deals with the same uncertainties that I deal with. I don't want to put my hope on a system that it deals with the same uncertainties that I deal with. I want to put my hope in the one who everything he ever prophesied came true. I want to put my hope in the one that performed miracles before eyes. I want to put my hope in the one who was born to a virgin in an immaculate conception. I want to put my hope in the one who died and on the third day rose again. I want to put my hope in the one who said, I'm the son of God, and then he proved it. I want to put my hope in the one who was the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's the same hope, church. The same hope in Luke chapter 2 that came wrapped in a manger is the same hope that came walking out the grave. They put cloth on him in one. They had to take it off of him in the other. It's the same hope. The same hope. The same hope for them yesterday. 
is the same hope for me today, and it's the same hope for my children tomorrow. It is certain, and I stand on it. Will my kids be healthy? I hope so. Forget that. I hope on the most high. I leave it on the most high. I give it to the most high. And you move into a level of certainty where people will be bothered by your hope because they don't understand it. But here's the problem with you understanding my hope. My hope is built on two things. Number one, a baby who was born to a virgin. Does that make sense to you? Second is a man who came walking out of a grave. Does that make sense to you? How can I build my hope on two things that don't make sense and my hope makes sense? Your hope will never make sense, but it can be certainty because it is on the word and the purpose and the future of God and not your agenda. And when I want my agenda, I move into hoping so. When I want God's purpose in my life, uh, I'm studying. Let me see if I can say it. I'm memorizing Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. It says, uh, oh, crud. Every time I do this to myself, put myself on pressure and I mess up. That I am the masterpiece of God. That uh, in in Christ Jesus, I, I believe in the good works that he planned for me long ago. That's not it, but it works. Ask me on Monday. Sundays are hard. I'm remembering a lot up here. But my point is that these good works were planned for me long ago. So when I'm putting my hope on God's plan for my life, that's happening. I don't have to hope for it. I'm about to give you a statement. You better write it down. You better screenshot the screen. You better be ready because this right here is what you'll stand on this Christmas season. You ready? This was my favorite thing I wrote down today. Here we go. When we as believers speak of hope, we do not mean a desire that may or may not be fulfilled. For our hope is certain. Our hope for forgiveness, our hope for reconciliation with God, and our hope for a perfect, holy, eternal life rests on the finished work of Jesus. That's why my hope is not a desire that may or may not be, because my hope is on the finished work of Jesus. Our hope is in Jesus. Jesus. I'm setting you free today. You came in today, I hope so. You're leaving out going, I don't care. Because I know he's in control. So I want to end this service by giving you four reasons to hope. Because I understand that the devil is still attacking you. And even though I'm talking, you're going, yeah, but what about this? But what if this happened? I thought this was going to happen. Then this happened. And so you need reasons to hope. But before I give those to you, I want to read to you a verse. I've read it probably many times, but man, it jumped off the page this week for me, and I want to read it to you. It's in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. Peter says, watch this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And watch, here's, here's, his, here's his, uh, his statement to us. Uh, uh, yeah, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. Who? Everyone. Be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give them the reason for the hope that you have. So there's two kinds of people in the room. There's those of you that are hopeless, and I'm about to give you four reasons to have hope. And there's those of you that have hope, but you aren't really sure how to communicate why. And these four reasons are about to help you so that when you step into the room with your family in a couple of weeks, 
to when you step into a, a party with your coworkers or when you walk out and you have to talk to your children or your spouse or your parents or your family members and they want to know why you have this weird hope in a time where everybody else should be hopeless, you are going to know why you can tell them why. Now, there are more than four reasons, but I figured, my goodness, four would be enough for you. So I'm going to give you four. And when you walk out of here, be confident in the hope that you have, especially when somebody asks you, how can you have Hope. You ready? I brought my trusty board. I figured it's way more fun to write than it is for you to watch it on a screen, so I'm going to write it, okay? Number one reason. Now, here's the great thing about number one reason. All right, can everybody see it? If you can't, you should have sat on the front row. Okay. Um, number one reason is really enough. It's really enough, but I like to give you more. Number one reason is this. He's alive. That's the number one reason, <laughs> is that he is alive, that the Savior that you and I serve is not in the grave any longer. He died for our sins, and he came resurrecting out of the grave. Every God that any person has ever followed is dead now, and our God is alive. And so if you wonder, how can I, it's easy to have hope when Jesus is walking. If he was here right now, you'd have hope because he's in the room. Guess what? He is here right now. Because he is alive. Watch this. I got scripture to back it up. I don't make these things up. First Peter chapter one, verse three. Praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into what? A living hope. Living hope. Not, not a, not a dying hope or a was hope and a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Your hope is in Jesus because he is alive. Number two. There is only one hope. There's only one hope. I'll show you. Ephesians 4, 4. Watch this. There is one body and there's one spirit, just as you were called to what? One hope. What I mean by that is there are not multiple hopes out there for you. Okay? There's not, you can't go, well, Jesus is a good hope, but there, are, there is no other hope. You might think it is. And you might try to argue with me, but over time, the thing that you're putting your hope in will let you down. There is only one hope, and here's the hope, that we will spend eternity with Jesus Christ in heaven. That's our hope. You know what that hope does for you? That if you don't get it the way you want it here, it ain't that bad. Because this is like the blink of an eye, and I will walk in heaven with my Savior. And so if I know that, if that's my hope, then by all means, let some good things happen, but this is not what I'm putting my hope on. I'm not putting my hope on my career. I'm not putting my hope on my finances. I'm not putting my hope on my relationships. I'm putting my hope in heaven that I will spend eternity with Jesus. Number three, we put our hope in the promises of his word. And the promises of the word, Psalm 119, 114 says this, you are my refuge and you are my shield. I have put my hope in your word. About two months ago, the Lord gave me an assignment for our church in 2022, and it's to preach you through the promises of God. I had this statement, and I wrote it down, and the statement says this, God has promised, promised us many things in his scripture, and we don't even know about it. And we're walking through asking for something he already promised us for. And we're putting our optimism in something he already promised to us. 
and I'm gonna take us through it, church, in 2022, and we're gonna end that year, we're gonna know the promises of God, and they're found in his word. Hope in his word. You ever felt like when you read his word, you all of a sudden feel like you have more hope? Why? Because the word is alive, and it's hopeful, and it reminds you that he's in control, and he reminds you that better things are happening. It's hope in the promises of his word, in the promises. And here's probably my favorite one. Everyone can have it. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this, for by grace, by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. What does that mean? If you think you're good, you're not. If you think you're bad, it doesn't matter. Well, I understand you're talking about hope, Troy, but if you knew how I live my life, I'm not allowed to get that hope. It has nothing to do with how you live your life. All you have to do is put your hope in Jesus. I just read to you, it's not about your works. It's not about how good you are, or how bad you are. You don't get hope because you attended church so much. Your hope is in Jesus. And I think one of the biggest tools of the enemy is when something like this is preached, there's somebody in here going, yeah, that's good for them, but it's not for me. Because if you knew what I had done, and scripture couldn't scream it any louder, it is not by your works. And here's why. Because as good as you are, you're not good enough. Jesus said only one is good and it's God. So why can we have hope? Somebody asks you, why can we have hope? Well, in, in this world today, why can I have hope? Well, number one, because my Savior is alive. He's not dead. Number two, because my promise is eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ. Number three, it's because there's all kinds of promises in his word for me. And number four, it's because I know it is for me because the Bible says so. If you ask anybody, and you know, I don't know if you caught it, but I did it for you. If you ask anybody, that is how you find your hope. Right there for you. In a time, talking to two people here, I'm going to talk to person one first. For those of you that are going to be around hopeless people, you got to know the reasons you have hope. Because Jesus Christ died and then he rose back from the grave and he sits at the right hand of the Father. Because there's only one hope to begin with, and it's hope to be eternity in heaven with Jesus Christ because of all of the things that God promised you in his word, good works that he planned long ago, Ephesians 2.10, and because everyone, by grace, not by works, can receive salvation through Jesus Christ. That's why I have hope. It's all out of their worldly perspective. So remember that. I gave it to you in an acronym so you can remember it. Hope. Next are those of you that feel hopeless. I'm telling you right now, I don't know what the situation is. I think in this season there are new things, but it also magnifies old things. You know what I mean? And I think if there was any opportunity I could give you, it would be just a few moments to be able to stop for a second and put your hope in Jesus Christ. So I thought that'd be how we end. So everybody stand with me for a moment.
like I said, there's two kinds of people in the room. So first are those of you that you're living in that hope and you're about to pray that God would give you an opportunity to be hope to the hopeless around you. And then there are those in here that are hopeless. And here's what's crazy about it. It doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. It doesn't mean that you don't love Jesus. You're just in a tough season right now and you feel hopeless. And I'm telling you right now that God did all of this for you, for you. It's why you happen to be here today for you so that you could hear this, so that you could close your eyes and say, Jesus, I put my hope in you. In this situation, my hope is in you. It's not in my money. It's not in my body. It's not in my relationships. It's not in my desires. It's not in my abilities. My hope is in you. Amen? So let's pray. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for that in a season where so many are hopeless. Father, you give us hope. And I pray right now a special anointing over every one of us. That as we're interacting with coworkers, as we're interacting with family members, that we would be that beacon of hope to them. And when that individual looks at us and says, how do you have hope? This is happening to you and this is happening to you. How do you have hope? We are confident, as Peter said, and being able to say, here's why. Because even in the midst of my situation, Jesus is alive. Because in the midst of my situation, I'm going to spend eternity in heaven with my Savior. In the midst of my situation, God has promised me that this will not last and I will come out from under it. In the midst of this, it's available to me through grace, not by my performance. This is how I have hope, Father. Sustain that in our hearts, Jesus. And I pray right now for those who are feeling hopeless. And I think the best thing, God, about being a pastor is I can totally put this responsibility 100% on you. There's nothing I can do to help anybody in this room. But Father, they're here for you and your presence is here. And I pray right now for supernatural help. I pray for affirmation over their heart right now. I pray that you would bring scripture back to their mind. Your word says the Holy Spirit reminds them of scriptures we've forgotten. Something you told them when they were a child. Something that a family member told them recently. Affirm it right now with your word. I pray for perspective right now that they would see outside of where they are and remember your faithfulness in the past. For the person who's never trusted you, that, Father, they would step in faith and trust you. For the person who's never accepted you as their personal Savior, that they would do that today. For the marriage that feels hopeless right now, Father, they would let you in and bring hope into their marriage. For the parent who feels hopeless when it comes to raising their kids, that you would right now enter and bring hope. For the single person who's desperately trying to figure out what you have next for them, I pray you'd come in and give them hope. For the brand new parent, bring them hope. For those who want to be, bring them hope. For the hurting, bring them hope. This is the season for hope. God, our culture has butchered that statement. And we think that that hope is defined by lights and Christmas songs and presents. And so we put our hope on something that is fading away. We put our hope in the very things that cause us stress to begin with. 
My prayer this morning is that we would replace our hope in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. The angel said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that brings great joy for all people. Listen to me, church. For those of you that are hopeless, here's the word of the Lord for you. Do not be worried. For I brought them then and I bring you now good news. Good news that brings great joy. And it's for you because it's for all people. And the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That you can be saved by the blood of Jesus. That you will spend eternity in heaven. And that you will walk with the favor and the purpose of God while you're here on this earth. Would you just make that your prayer right now? Just say, Father, I need you. I need you. I need your hope. I need your hope in this situation. Supernatural, Father. We're going to worship for a moment and just kind of let that marinate. Let that set in. If that's you, just really take it in. Really talk to the Lord for a moment. Call out the area that you want him to give hope to. Say it. He already knows it. Say it. Hallelujah. Say it. He's, he's here. He's right now. His presence is strong in this place. Strong in this place, Father. As a child who trusts their parents to provide Christmas, Father, us, your children, let us trust you to provide hope. There's a hard heart in here right now. You don't want to say it because you've been let down before. You've tried it many times. It's never worked before. You don't want to say it to him. He's waiting patiently because you've never fully gave it to him. And this is the season for hope. Not because it's December, not because it's a holiday but because a Savior has been born to us. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you.